Right, another episode of But Where Are You From? Should I just replace the jingle with me singing? Because, do you know what? I feel like I'm just on par with the professional musicians who recorded the jingle. I'm only joking, of course. That would be a terrible, terrible idea. If my friends never talked me out of, like, a singing competition or anything like that, I would not consider them a real friend at all. If they encourage me to go on a singing competition, they would want... They are not a true friend. They want to see me fail. They would want to see me fail. Fun fact, actually, I've been on Britain's Got Talent before. I've been on TV. It was part of an amateur dramatics thing that I used to do years ago. Um, and we were in a big choir and we sang a four-part harmony to Westlife, You Raise Me Up. And we actually got through. We got through to the producers round. Then we got through to meeting the judges. So we sang in front of the judges in Manchester at the Royal Palace Theatre. And then we actually got through to go down to London to perform in front of them, where we got a a bus at like 6am, travelled all the way down, and then they said that we didn't get through to the next round. We were gutted, absolutely gutted. And remember, we had to fill out these forms that basically asked us questions like, oh, what was the saddest moment of your life? And you had to write down something. So that's where all the sob stories come from, you see, you see. And then we were told to just write really trivial stuff like, oh, my exams. Even though my dad was like going through cancer at the time, but we couldn't say stuff like that because you couldn't pinpoint one person out. And I was like one of like 78 people. So my contribution to singing, I could have mimed for all they would have known, but um, I did sing at the time. But as you can tell, singing is not my forte. Do try though, do sing in the shower every single day. So anyway, that was a bit of a tangent, wasn't it? Welcome back to But Where Are You From? A podcast by a nearly 30-something millennial learning about life as a British-born Chinese person. I'm Viv, the host of the podcast. I'm from Manchester, in case people want to know that. I run a marketing agency called Be Influence. And in this series, we talk about life as a British-born Chinese person. From my family life to work, dating, relationships, food racism and general culture. So hopefully this is an upbeat, relatable podcast to those who are a British-born minority or otherwise we are inclusive here at But Where Are You From? If you have any questions, please drop me a message. I'm at Viv the Div. I get back to every single message or try to. Please don't be alarmed if I send you a voice note. I'm a big fan of those. Love a voice note. I don't understand why more people don't do voice notes. My friend, Wing, she hates them when I send her a voice note because she says she has to remember every single thing that I've said within that voice note. But I just feel like it gets across what you're trying to say. Maybe that's why I enjoy doing this so much and just chatting to the ether on on this because you get across what you're thinking way more than you do on text and CBA texting, CBA texting. And as always, thank you to everyone who's listened. I've actually not checked the stats for a while because I've been super busy with work this week, which is great, but um, I haven't managed to check the stats, but I just know that it's growing and I'm getting more messages from people, which is just incredible. Thank you so much. Um, So we'll get straight into the topic. The topic is why I don't really drink. Now, be right back. I'm just going to put a sock over this microphone. Sounds crazy, but apparently it stops the... 
oh my god, it's actually so much better. You can't hear the, you know, the p p. Sorry, that must be really annoying <laughs> to people that are listening. Um, how has everyone been actually? Before we get into it, how have you been? Uh, it's currently Wednesday, the twentieth of May, and we've been super busy. We've just started a new client project, which I'm really loving at the moment, and that's why I was struggling to get a podcast out last week because we were busy just preparing everything for the campaign. But I won't bore you with that. You don't need to know about that. Um, but personal wise, do you know what? I had a rocky weekend, I have to say, but it picked up the past few days. Um, and I feel ready and raring to go. I've got a lot of energy. I tend to find that I just go through phases, like the weekend. I didn't do anything noteworthy at all. I had a Zoom quiz that lasted until 2am because we were just chatting. And then I just felt so down and out on Sunday for another reason. And I couldn't do anything. I didn't do any exercise and do any baking, running, nothing. I just lay there but I think I really needed it to be honest so that was my weekend and this week it really picked up though I feel really energetic it's nearly 11 p.m usually I'll be winding down reading Michelle Obama's Becoming love her if you haven't watched her documentary on Netflix I highly recommend it's brilliant she's so empowering I love her um so I started reading her documentary but then I kind of I thought about this topic for a while so I just started planning it and then I was, I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. We're going to go old school, back to midnight, where I just chat shit. Because I think I feel most relaxed at this time. Definitely a night owl in that sense. I just, I get stuff done more. I'm not a morning person in the slightest. I wish I could be both. I wish I could burn the candle on both ends. But alas, I'm not. Um, before we get into this, we're going to actually do the how asian are you segment how asian are you i love that so much and that's um credited to john clapper who is a very talented musician who is currently he came back from a cruise ship in california and he's in his hometown in Rochdale at the moment. So hi, John, if you're listening. Um, so this is a silly news segment, which I wanted to include. And I ask you guys some quick fire questions and you have to answer them to see how Asian you are. And you get a point for every Asianness. Is this casually racist? I don't know. You tell me. Um, but do you know what? I've been enjoying doing it so far. And I think people have... Um, well, actually... Actually, has anyone even commented back to me to say that they've enjoyed this segment? I think one person has. And I appreciate you. Right, so first question. Have you ever been called a silly chicken? I repeat, have you ever been called a silly chicken? So my mum, she always calls me a sorge, which means silly chicken. It's always when I've done something stupid. And then she goes, sorge, and it's a very endearing term. But then I always reply back to her in English going, I'm not a silly chicken. <laughs> or it's also, they call you um, soju, which is silly pig. So they're interchangeable. The farmyard animals are interchangeable within the, these insults. Um, and then I also reply back to her and say, I'm not a silly pig. And then she just rolls her eyes. 
So I can answer yes. So I get I get two points because I can answer yes to both a silly chicken and a silly pig. And I very much appreciate that these questions have been written with a bit of a bias towards me because I know what I can and can't answer. But I've tried to keep this as neutral as possible. Okay? So don't come at me. Um, do your parents hand you fruit when they want to apologise? So do Asian parents ever say sorry? So luckily, my mum is quite good at saying sorry. My dad wasn't so good at saying sorry. And he would probably do the thing of like making food for us or, you know, cutting up an orange for us and then being like, nah, sickler. <laughs> um, so I'd say definitely have experienced that where the only way that they can remedy whatever's happened, an argument or whatever, is by offering you something, an act of service. So I can definitely relate to that. So I give myself another point. I'm doing so well. I've got three points so far. What about you? Um, do you like karaoke? Now, I feel like I asked this one, but I can't. I haven't kept track of the questions. So now I have a Google Doc where I'm keeping track of the questions. So of course, I mean, of course I like karaoke. I'm Asian, of course I do. Have you ever met an Asian who doesn't, even if you can't sing? Have you ever met an Asian who doesn't enjoy karaoke, even in the privacy of their own home? I fucking love it. I love it so much. It's such a good way of bringing people together. But then I also feel like, you know, when my parents used to have like karaoke parties, it's always like you just want to sing your song and you're not really interested in hearing other people. You just want to sing. And then when it's someone else's go, you're like, oh, I'm not bothered. <laughs> Does your mum or dad or Chinese relative speak really loudly on the phone in public? And do they also, my mum does this, she voice notes on WhatsApp all the time. And I love voice noting, but she does it in Chinese really loudly in public. And I can 100% agree with that statement and relate to that statement. The other day, me and my mum were, were on a walk and I had to tell her to quieten down because where we live, it's basically suburbia, like white suburbia. She just had a phone on speakerphone and she was talking really, really loud on the phone. I was like, mom, can you just, it's a little bit embarrassing. And lastly, did you have to translate official government letters for your parents growing up or just any letters, utility bills, council tax, whatever it is? Yes, we did. And I don't know how we managed to get by because when you're seven, you don't know what the hell is council tax in Chinese. I still don't know what it is now. Do you? If you did, that's really impressive. But yeah, that I think that's kind of quite true for a lot of um, second generation minorities. So right, we're going to get straight into the topic of the day. So what is... Asian flush and why do I not drink anymore? So let's head to good old Wikipedia. So people call it Asian flush, Asian glow, alcohol flush reaction. So according to Wikipedia, it's basically when a person develops flushes or blotches associated with, oh fucking hell, there's loads of medical terms on here, erythema of the face, neck, shoulders, and in some cases, the entire body after consuming alcoholic beverages, which is the case for me. My whole body goes red. So the result is, the reaction is a result of the accumulation of actahaldehyde, <laughs> I totally said that wrong, um, a metabolic byproduct of the catabolic metabolism of alcohol, 
uh, metabolism, I can say that word for fuck's sake, Viv. I can say metabolism of alcohol and is caused by an aldehyde dehydrogenase 2 deficiency. Okay, so I asked the doctor how I pronounce that word, so thank you, doctor, friend. So the syndrome has been associated with lower than average rates of alcoholism, possibly due to its association with adverse effects after drinking alcohol. However, it has also been associated with an increased risk of esophageal cancer in those who do drink. Didn't know that, for fuck's sake. That's good, isn't it? Causes cancer too. So approximately 30 to 50% of East Asians, so Chinese, Japanese and Koreans, show characteristic physiological responses to drinking alcohol that includes facial flushing, nausea, headaches and a fast heart rate. Oh my god, this is me. I relate to this so badly. Yeah, so basically that's essentially what it is. So we don't have the enzyme to break down alcohol. And that is as scientific as we're going to get. We're going to talk about my experience now because I have no idea about the science behind it. I've asked my doctor friend, Sophie, my best mate, many times, but I'll talk through my own experience. So the first, the very, very first time I tried any drop of alcohol was at my cousin's New Year's Eve party and me and my cousin Clara, we tried the tiniest drop of Bailey's that someone had left and honestly it was the the best tasting thing ever. Bailey's is so sweet anyway but we thought that's what all alcohol tasted like and then I hadn't tried anything for a long time. That was when I was like I'd say 12 or 13 and we let you try the tiniest bit. But the first proper alcohol session that I had was when I was around 15 and you know when you used to go out with the mates like on the park bench well so I used to do that with my friends and a lot of the time we where we live uh, the kids are very middle class and we don't actually get up to much really alcohol was never really involved but I remember this one particular Friday night there was a different crew from a different part of Warrington a rougher part of Warrington might I say they came up to our area where we were all like the goody two-shoes who didn't really like do that much. We just hung out outside and just had fun. Um, they brought loads of alcohol with them. And I was kind of friends with both groups and we were all hanging out under this tree somewhere. And then there was a bottle of vodka. And for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea for me to just start shotting vodka straight from the bottle and obviously I went red straight away I don't know what I was thinking like why go straight from nothing to straight vodka that's just so stupid and I remember going down to the takeaway how did I get down there now so I must have gone home my mum was at home she was like come to the takeaway with me which is something we used to do I think we were picking up my sister who was working and then she asked me have you been drinking and I was like, no, as I sat there with a horrendously red face, like Jerry the Berry, tomato red, couldn't get any redder. And she obviously found out because the proof is in the pudding. How stupid of me to lie. I should have just said yes. So she grounded me for six months. I wasn't allowed out to play with my friends for six months. That's kind of similar to the situation we're in with coronavirus at the moment. Except that 
everyone is grounded at the moment. Yeah, so that was my first experience with drinking. I think the misconception with feeling red is that you are extremely drunk, when actually I could have one sip of wine, one tiny sip of wine, and I go red. And that's just my body reacting to it. It's nothing to do with how drunk I feel. So that was my first proper, proper experience with alcohol. And it wasn't a very good one. It wasn't worth it at all. I, I need to tell them, actually, that I never used to do that all the time. That was like a one-off thing. And I was heavily influenced by the naughty group that came from the other side of Warrington. And then in college, um, obviously, when you get to the age of like 16, 17, you start getting invited to more house parties. I started drinking a bit more and redness just was always an issue. And usually it would end up with me being sick because I just didn't know how much alcohol my body could take. I think that's quite usual anyway. But because of our intolerance to alcohol, I just couldn't cope with even just having two, three drinks, it would usually end up with me being sick at the end of the night or I'd say even like a third into the night. In terms of friends-wise, we had a group of friends who were like party girls and the more that we got older, so I'm talking about we as in me and my sister because we used to have the same group of friends, me and my twin sister, the more that we got older, the more that we kind of veered away more so from the party girls because we just couldn't keep up. We couldn't keep up with the drinking because <laughs> we're intolerant. So, you know, it's like fucking giving someone who's dairy intolerant just a shitload of cheese and being like, you know, enter a cheese competition. They're always going to lose and have diarrhea. So that was us, basically. Um, so we kind of started to... It kind of did affect friendship groups, I think, from that from there on in. One friend, she really wanted me to go to Malaga with her for her birthday, I think. And I was just like, look, I can't do it. Can't do it. And that really alienated us for a while, especially as a teenager. You kind of, you want to just do the things that everyone else does. But firstly, Malaga wouldn't have been my scene. And secondly, yeah, I would have been in the same situation where I'd be red every single night so if we're like going out trying to look all fancy dressed up and you know people used to wear like you know those tutus and neon bangles and black vests and whatnot um I couldn't do that because I'd just be like guys I feel sick I need to go home what would be the point and I don't think my parents would have let me go anyway to be fair so yeah alcohol in college was our first kind of like discovery into what it was like and I remember our parents became more lenient to the fact that we were drinking like they'd obviously see that we'd come home and we'd be really red and the redness would fade after a while and then we'd go like this weird pale colour it's just so unattractive <laughs> so unattractive um, but they, they kind of got used to the fact that we'd have a few drinks at parties and that we would be red. And I think our friends kind of started getting used to it as well when we would drink. And it was kind of really an exploration into how much our bodies could handle, but usually ended in me being sick. I remember I was really drunk one time at this social club where um, when I used to do my Amdram, as I mentioned earlier before, I remember we were at this social club and I was so drunk that... I remember going into this, the boys' toilets and picking up one of the toilet cakes and being like, what's this? I picked up a toilet cake. Is that what they're called? You know the things that they piss on? It has piss on it. <laughs> I am so disgusting. Why is this all coming out now? 
I forgot about that memory until I started talking about it. This is actually like therapy. <laughs> and so going into uni, so first year of uni, I didn't move out. So I never really went out unless I went to visit my sister in Lancaster. Second and third year, I moved out and I did go out a tiny bit more, but my flatmates were all pretty tame really. So we never really did like big night outs like every single weekend. So when I went to visit my sister in uni, like we would go out quite a lot actually. And we discovered, I can't remember the timelines, but somewhere along the timeline of being at uni, we discovered Zantac. Now, Zantac is an antihistamine blocker that can reduce Asian flush. And I don't know how it works, but I think there's there's basically histamines in alcohol and Zantac blocks that. We started experimenting with how we took it. So we'd take Zantac probably an hour before and then like 15 minutes before we start drinking. And sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. With certain alcohol, Wine didn't work at all, terrible, because I think it had high histamines in there. With spirits, like straight spirits, and especially non-fizzy drinks that are mixed with the spirits, so like uh, vodka tonics, vodka soda, works really, really well. Um, so we started discovering that, that we could actually use Zantac. So we, we discovered on the dark web that there was quite a few Asian people talking about it. We told our friends about it and our cousins who went out drinking. Um, and it was almost like when we'd go out, we'd take the Zantac and it was almost like we were taking illegal drugs, but <laughs> it was just, basically it's an indigestion tablet. You can buy it over the counter at Boots and Superdrug and wherever. And it's predominantly used for indigestion. So it's not actually used for the purpose of stopping you from going red. It was some hack that some Asian discovered, or I don't know who discovered it, but someone told me about it. I think it was my ex-boyfriend who was Chinese. I think it was his sister. Throughout uni, we accumulated loads of photos of being really red. <laughs> and so there's, I remember there's actually a profile picture of me where I made it black and white so you couldn't see how red I was. Um, but I just feel so red and my face swell up as well. Like it, it would look puffy. I don't know whether that was just because like I was chubby at the time or whatever, but it definitely, I felt like it was just a bit more kind of swollen than usual. And then... I'd feel hot, dizzy. I remember like when I got an Apple Watch, I'd check my Apple Watch and my heart would be at like 164 BPM as if I'm doing a workout or something when I'd just be there, sat there drinking alcohol. Going into workings, so I used to work at an advertising agency and with advertising, there's a reputation of lots of client parties, lots of schmoozing, going out after work, and it was it was the case, like it wasn't as crazy as that, but we, we used to have a lot of parties and it was really nice. But I kind of got used to not drinking quite quickly as well. I kind of became really comfortable with hosting client parties. So we'd take our clients out to Manchester, ply them with alcohol, ply them with food, take them out clubbing and everyone would be pissed. And I would be there completely sober but no one would have a clue. Literally, I remember being in this club called Neighbourhood and we had um, all the clients there, all my colleagues, everyone was having such a great laugh and no one would know that I would go home completely sober and I'd just drive home at the end of the night because I'd just pretend to be pissed. 
It's this weird thing that I kind of conjured up that you can do. I can be as weird as I want whilst being sober, but you wouldn't know because you just think I was pissed. How weird is that? It's like some weird like loophole that I've discovered. And I just drink things like um, lemonade with... Yeah, just lemonade. <laughs> just lemonade or lime and cordial or whatever it is. Lime, lime soda. And they just think it's vodka soda. And they just wouldn't know. And it was great. I love doing that. And I still love doing that now. So yeah, when I worked in advertising, I was pretty tame then though. Like when we used to go out, when we used to drink, um, my mates would, some of them would do, you know, naughty things. They'd go to the toilets and I'd be like, where are you going? And they'd be like, don't you worry about it, Viv. And then, you know, by that stage, it was probably time for me to go home anyway. And I kind of got a reputation of leaving pretty early on in the night because I always wondered how do people stay up till 6am on a night out don't understand and then naive Viv learned pretty quickly that oh oh I see it's not just alcohol or it might have been I don't know I don't know I'm not I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything so I, I rarely used to get hangovers when I did drink and I think that is because we metabolise alcohol so quickly that we basically get the hangover during that night. So I'd feel headachey, uh, thirsty, all those traits of getting a hangover the night of, like around 11pm, for example. And then I go to bed, I get really tired because if your heart's beating at like 160 BPM the whole night for four hours you're going to tire yourself out pretty quickly. So that's probably a reason why I used to go home quite early on in nights out, just because I couldn't hack it, couldn't hack it, my body couldn't take it. And then I wake up in the morning feeling like fresh as a daisy and like I never drank, so weird. So I moved down to London and I probably drank there more than I ever did when I was back up north. There was lots of client parties, lots of events and... I kind of did the whole Zantac thing. It became a bit of a routine to always have Zantac at work, at home, in my purse. So if there was ever a situation where there was an impromptu night out or whatever, I was always prepared and kind of got used to that and realised that certain alcohol works better. So vodka, lime and soda was my go-to drink because I knew that it wouldn't cause as much of a reaction as it would do with wine, for example, I think distilled alcohol works much better for me. And then in terms of dating, I think it's quite interesting. I had um, obviously a few boyfriends who during that time and one of them drank quite a lot, which I didn't like. It didn't fit in with my lifestyle because he would be pissed and I'd just be there like, cool, 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 cool. And then second boyfriend um, didn't really drink actually. So fitting quite well, he was Asian. He didn't really drink and he kind of understood it because he had sisters who went through a similar thing. And then my third boyfriend would drink quite casually, but to a kind of like a healthy extent. And then um, my fourth boyfriend, John, again, same again. He would drink like, you know, just a beer after work. And then if he was going on a big night out, he would drink, but not very often. So boyfriend wise, it didn't really affect things. I think... To be honest, they would have liked it if I had a drink with them, but it didn't really make a difference. But in terms of when I was single and talking about the subject, it's a lot of guys find it cool, like as in like, oh, you don't drink? Cool. How come? And some people get it and they're like, yeah, doesn't bother me at all. 
But I remember one particular time that I um, dated someone. They did uh, drugs and drank quite a lot and it was quite a big part of this person's lifestyle. And so we didn't really mesh that well because obviously me essentially not being teetotal but just not drinking as part of my lifestyle didn't really fit in with the fact that he was going out every single weekend with his mates doing drugs and drinking and I couldn't really see that working either and I think that's probably become a consideration when it comes to who I date like I wouldn't care if I dated someone who did drink but I think they would need to not be asked that I couldn't just have a glass of wine with them and it's quite funny when you go on dating apps and you see things like, um, oh, we can talk about it over a glass of wine or whatever they put on their dating profile. I'm like, oh, it's a consideration for me. Like, oh, you might not like me then because I don't drink wine. I'll have a cup of cordial with you, though, or, you know, hot water <laughs> if that floats your boat. Um, so I think some people do find it odd. I think it's met with like, what, you don't drink? And then I tell them why. And then they're just like, what the fuck? Or they've heard of it before and they're like, yeah, I've got an Asian friend who does the same thing. So it's quite an interesting topic when it comes to dating. And also when it comes to the actual going on dates, that's when it gets interesting because a lot of the time, I think first dates, people think it requires alcohol to get over the awkwardness. Whereas I've been and I encourage to go on lots of daytime dates, just coffee dates, meeting up in the day, not drinking. I've done a lot, I've done lots of like date night drinking dates. <laughs> That's a weird way of saying that, drinking during dates. Um, but I've always found it most comfortable when I just meet up with them in the day. Whereas I think for a lot of guys, they find that quite uncomfortable. So I think I like to find someone who's not bothered by that. Who would just be like, yeah, either way, either we'll go out for a drink or either we won't. And then even if we do meet up for a drink, whatever that means, I'll just order a soft drink. You can have whatever you want. As long as you don't get paralytic on the date and you're not like tripping over your words and absolutely on another level to me, then we're fine. We're fine. Just don't be so arse. You know, you do you. Don't let me enable you. You just have to stay in your own lane. And if you want a drink, then you drink. Um, but just be just be fine with the fact that I'm not going to drink. I don't know why I'm talking as if um, I'm talking to an actual person. <laughs> Role play. So that's essentially my story of why I don't drink. Mainly because I can't be bothered. I can't be arsed with the feeling of being nauseous and sick. If someone said to you, okay, right, every time you drink a glass of wine now, you're going to feel headachey nauseous your face is going to go entirely red as well as the rest of your body and you're probably going to be sick by the end of the night would you do it would you do it is it worth it probably not you're probably just going to get used to not drinking aren't you so that's my story um and then recently i discovered that they stopped selling zantac over the counter and they've stopped doctors prescribing it because there could be carcinogenic properties within Zantac. So I'm screwed. Even if I wanted a drink, I don't want to get cancer. Like I've still got loads of Zantac left over from when I stockpiled them up, but I'm just going to not drink now. It's just so much easier. In 2019, I drank twice. Once at my best mate's Hendu, where we had loads of gin mixes 
at the beginning of the night. I try to keep up with everyone. I don't know why I never learn. I never learn. Try to keep up with all of her white friends. <laughs> and we ended up going out to this bar where I felt extremely sick. And I was sick at the first bar, the first place that we went to. And I remember wearing fake eyelashes and like we were dressed all in like 80s flower power kind of outfits and stuff. And I remember going into the toilets and looking at myself in the mirror after I'd been sick and my fake eyelashes were hanging off and I got honestly the most rank photo of me in this nightclub where like I look like I'm sweating profusely, all my makeup has come off, my fake eyelashes have come off, the eye makeup that I spent ages doing came off completely because I was sick. So I kept my sunglasses on in the nightclub for the rest of the night. <laughs> I felt fine afterwards. So that's why I don't drink. And then the second time I drank was actually a good experience. It was our Christmas party. And I had a great night, actually. It's good fun. Didn't feel ill. Didn't feel red. Didn't feel sick. Heart rate was fine, I think, to the best of my knowledge. Went home about 2am. Ordered a KFC. It's a good night. The experiences can really vary. So that's why my experience with alcohol recently has just kind of tailed off. I think it's easier just to say that I don't drink because I don't really. I think twice a year it doesn't really count as you drinking. So that's my experience. I'd love to know if you guys have experienced something similar. Do you know of anyone who has experienced Asian flush? Um, what's your drinking experiences? I'd love to know. I think at one stage I did really want to be one of those people that drank but now I'm not so bothered I'm okay with it I've made peace with it and so should everyone else now I hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have please do subscribe please share it if you're listening on Spotify please 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 do me a favor and share on stories and if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do rate it um review it whatever you do please because it really motivates me to carry on and I love doing these podcasts, especially when I have time to do it. So if you've enjoyed, please let me know and I'll see you soon. Bye.